The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep are not his own sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf catches and scatters them. This is because he works for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know mine, and mine know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. That is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Of all the subjects of religious art, I suppose that one of the most popular that sacred artists choose is that of the Good Shepherd. I have no idea how many paintings or stained glass windows there are of the Good Shepherd. But in virtually all of them, with rare exception and none of the best known ones, there is something missing, something essential, something that our Lord speaks of. But our artists never seem to include it. In the Old Testament, God was the shepherd. Israel was the flock. He led them. They were his people. They were called to follow him. But they often wandered. In fact, I repeat myself to say that the journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, which should have taken six weeks, took them 40 years, while God tried to form his flock into his people. And even after that, there was a constant wandering, and the Lord would have to go after them, sometimes even to allow them uh, suffering and pain and even exile to bring them back to himself, to the shepherd. But now, our Lord speaks of himself as the good shepherd. Not only as the shepherd, but as doing so, he proclaims himself to be divine, to be God, because only God can be the shepherd. 
He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, of course, there's a new Israel, too, and a new Jerusalem, and that's the church. You and I are the flock. The new Israel is the body of Christ. And she, too, although holy because she's his body, and holy in her saints and in grace, often wander away from the shepherd. You and I are less than perfect often, sometimes very much less so. And the shepherd comes after us also. And sometimes that's a rather painful process. As he does so, he will often have to allow us to experience suffering. Although very often, too, in fact, without exception, his saints do as well. In any event, our Lord then speaks of himself, but he speaks of himself as a different kind of shepherd. As I said, in all the paintings and all the stained glass windows, there's something missing. And what we see in him is the call to follow. But to follow is something different also. Because when the Lord comes to us, he comes to us in such a way that we have to accept him before he can do anything with us. So he calls us to follow him into his own flock, wherever he may lead us. Now, the one thing most missing in those paintings and in the windows are the wounds. Take a look at a picture of the Good Shepherd. Inevitably, there are no wounds. None. That's how the Good Shepherd presented himself after the resurrection, and this is why we have this particular gospel every fourth Sunday of Easter uh, during the, the Easter season. The good shepherd is a wounded shepherd, a crucified shepherd, a dead and risen shepherd, a shepherd who is victorious but who always bears the wounds, bears them for all eternity, not in pain but in victory, as a constant reminder of his love. When we see the good shepherd, those wounds must be present because they are what made it possible for us to become the flock and to follow him. And therefore, he can come after us. But again, as I said, he cannot do anything with us until we accept him. Only when we are converted, literally turn around, can he then say to us, all right, come. And we will say, do with me whatever you want. And then and only then can he pick us up and put put us on his shoulders and take us to where the flock is so that we may follow. Because that's a problem in our world too, isn't it? Nobody wants to follow anybody except their own will. Don't tell me what to think. Don't tell me who to follow. Don't tell me what to do. Really? Somebody's going to. Somebody always does. Who will it be? I have people who say to me sometimes, I've decided I'm going to be a Marxist, or to be more dramatic about it, a communist. I'll follow Lenin, too. Okay, you'll follow them, but you're going to follow somebody. You will follow the voices of your age. You will follow some university professor who may or may not know where he's going, much less you. But you're going to follow somebody. And the only person who is essential to follow is the Lord. He is the one who commands that we follow him. If we don't follow him, we will not follow uh, a shepherd at all. We will simply follow the false voices of our own culture. Again, as is so common. So the Lord then calls us to follow him. But also, uh, we must bear his wounds as well. The sheep are wounded. Do you know... The first thing our Lord was, was the Lamb of God. That's what St. John the Baptist said. Behold the Lamb of God. 
And in the book of Revelation, it refers to the lamb with the marks of slaughter on him. And then only does he become the good shepherd. We then are going to be the ones who follow him. As the shepherd is, so must the sheep be. As the master is, so must the servants be. We must have those wounds also. And our Lord then calls us to imitate him, to unite ourselves to him. Otherwise, we can't follow. But following is not an easy business, is it? Uh, because he's going to take us sometimes where we don't want to go. We have to follow him into the desert, into what seems to be darkness, although it's never dark if he is there. We must follow him into all kinds of different things in this world that are going to cause us sometimes a great sacrifice. But in the end, he is always calling us to a different kind of joy. That's what the good shepherd does. Uh, I've often thought, too, you know, it's different being a shepherd. That's uh, what the word pastor means. Uh, because it's a, it's, a, it's a very profound responsibility uh, to attempt in some way to make present the good shepherd. You know what, there is a, in the office, in the office of readings, there's a week during the year when St. Augustine is writing, uh, really being very hard on the shepherds of his day, the bishops and the priests of his era, accusing them of not shepherding the sheep, but shepherding themselves, of not doing what they're supposed to be doing, of not actually accepting the responsibility I remember once visiting a priest in a nursing home and had a stroke during that week, and he said to me, you know, St. Augustine's being pretty hard on us this week. And I said, yes, he is, and rightly so. Uh, that's his job. And the church wants us to be constantly aware of what it means to be a shepherd, rather than whether you're the pope or this, the pastor of a small parish, whoever you are, but you have a responsibility. But in some ways, of course, we all have a responsibility. The first thing we have to do if we're a shepherd is follow. If we can't follow, we can't lead anybody else. And that's true with all of us. It's true with parenting. It's true with just friendship. And we are all in some way part of that journey and part of that flock, hopefully. So um, it's sort of like, remember the, the hound of heaven. Uh, at some point we have to allow us, the Lord to catch up and to take charge of us. Um, the very last words of that poem, I think, are so appropriate for this. Except there's one thing we have to remember before we even mention that. And you know what that is. The Good Shepherd isn't just a gospel image, pleasant as that is. It's not just a good story or a good poem if you happen to read one. It's not just a good painting or symbol. It's not even a good spiritual relationship. The Good Shepherd for us is a reality. The Good Shepherd is here in the flesh. The Good Shepherd remains with us in his body and blood in the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the Good Shepherd. Uh, It's not as though we simply had to use our imaginations. He is here and our faith tells us so. He leads us uh, really and truly by coming to us, first of all, in that reality. It's good to know that the Good Shepherd isn't just a thought. The Good Shepherd is someone who comes to us as he is. And then once we are able to accept that and to receive him, we then can do what we are called to do. We can then follow as we were meant to follow. We can follow him in the fullness of his journey and the fullness of our journey, too. But I mentioned the Hound of Heaven at the very end, uh, he, he suggests, he uses Old English, instead of using the word drive, uses the word drave. He suggests that, uh, that we drive love from ourselves if we drive him away. But after running from the hound, the good shepherd, all through the poem, uh, he says, halts by me that footfall. Is my gloom, after all, 
shade of his hand outstretched caressingly. Ah, fondest, blindest, weakest, I am he whom thou seekest. Thou dravest love from thee who dravest me. So, we will do what the apostles did. He asks us to take his hand and follow him without being afraid of where he's going to lead us and without looking back. That's what we are called to do. That's what it means to be the church. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the resurrection of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, that her members will always follow the Good Shepherd as he leads them, especially the church persecuted and suffering. We pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they may be converted and come to know Jesus as the Good Shepherd, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, for those who bear the cross of Christ in any way, that they may know that they are united to the Good Shepherd in their suffering, for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith and wandered from the Shepherd, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, especially life in the womb, we pray to the Lord. Lord for an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, especially today on World Day for Vocations, for an increase in those men who will listen to the voice of God, to the call to priesthood, to be shepherds, to be pastors, for a greater reverence for the responsibilities of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy. Having followed the Lord first in grace and in holiness, they may then be shepherds to others. We pray to the Lord. Lord For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, who all have died on the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, especially for our pastors and the pastors of this parish who have gone before us. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, we may come to know Jesus Christ as our shepherd and through the Eucharist be ever more united to him and more perfect in our discipleship. We pray to the Lord. And now, once again, during the Easter season, we will uh, rejoice in the Lord's victory by singing the Christus Vincit. Mm-hmm.